there is an end point. And I had one goal and one purpose at this point. Um, and that was to cross that finish line. So I just pushed down that. It was kind of like a straightaway, probably for like three quarters of a mile back into the center of town in Falmouth there. Um, cute little town, by the way. Love the little shops. Um, it was a very nice little destination race to visit. And crossed the finish line at 340.38. Are you constantly worried about getting injured or you don't know how to get faster as a runner and you want to continue to run for stress relief, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, the only place that provides you with training tips, injury recovery, and prevention tools with actionable strategies by experts in the running industry so you can develop a stronger running body and feel confident that you can overcome any obstacle as a runner. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid runner, running physical therapist and coach, educator, founder of Spark Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you've been told to stop running with an injury or you think coaching is just for fast runners. Learn more about our signature coaching program at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Every week on the show, we coach you to grow as a runner, just like the process of building a strong, durable home that will last a lifetime requiring little maintenance. The design and planning is your mindset. The foundation is your strength training. The framing is your run plan. The electrical and plumbing is your nutrition. The insulation, drywall, and flooring is your recovery. The landscaping and exterior is your race strategy. If you master the six parts of growing as a runner, your running will be strong and last long, hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Every week, we help a runner just like you build their dream home. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. I did it. Sub four hours and a 23-minute PR at the Cape Cod Marathon. Last weekend, I ran my third ever marathon, and it was the best one yet. I am so grateful for this marathon journey that I have been on these past two years. And in this episode, I will share my deep dive reflection with you on how I executed nearly the perfect race day strategy, despite the unexpected challenges I faced. I hope by me sharing my marathon and running journey with you at the Cape Cod Marathon in 2023, it will help you learn something and apply it to your personal running journey. And for context on how we grow as runners with the Spark framework that we utilize, I'm going to really be filling your race day bucket today. And there are six steps to growing in our running journey. One is mindset. Two is strength training. Three is the structured run plan. Four is nutrition. Five is recovery. I've been doing a lot of that, by the way, after the race. And six is the race strategy. So this episode is going to really kind of give you a glimpse into what's been going on behind the scenes, because I really haven't shared a whole lot about my personal marathon journey in 2023, if you haven't noticed. 
Um, and that was strategic actually. Um, but I am very grateful to be able to share that with you now. It was a little tough. I'm not going to lie to not share it as I was doing it, but I will explain why that was and why I did make that conscious effort to do so. So for context here, this was race number 72 for me in my 12 year adult onset running journey. And this was my third marathon. The first marathon was in 2017 in Hartford, Connecticut. This is my hometown race. Uh, right after I graduated with both of my doctoral degrees, I graduated with an academic PhD, as well as a clinical doctoral degree, DPT, um, which was my second kind of PT degree, because when I first went to PT school over 20 years ago, it was just a master's program. And this was the first time that I really attempted to train for anything longer than a half marathon. It was kind of one of those things of, you know, the dissertation, doing that for three years, the schooling for six. It was kind of like, that was a really, really hard goal accomplished it. Okay. What's the next hardest goal I could accomplish? Hey, run a marathon. Um, so I followed like the free Hal Higdon plan online, like most runners do. And I made all of the rookie mistakes in terms of mileage recovery, definitely didn't do anything in our recovery blueprint. Um, my pacing, I was definitely running my easy runs too fast back then I was running in the nine and eight minute pace per mile. And really the experience of the race. Yes, it was epic because I did cover the distance and I finished 26.2. Like that's a huge, huge accomplishment, right? Anyone who does that, it's a huge accomplishment. Um, but it really wasn't, um, let's say a very rewarding or pleasant event. Let's go there. Pleasant because I really had to walk slash jog slash painful cramps the whole last six miles where every muscle in my leg seized up. I couldn't even like bend my knees because my quads were like locked. Um, but I didn't know anything about like proper salt intake, um, electrolytes. I didn't know anything about a race strategy. I had no clue that you're actually supposed to do, do your slowest, um, paced miles in the first six miles of the race. And, um, so that was like a major kind of bonking uh, episode or hitting the wall. Um, I'm sure there are many of you who can relate to that story. Um, and my final time was 4.15.03. So that was six years ago now. And my second marathon was five years after that first. That's how long it really took me, honestly, because it was not a good experience. I went away from that experience saying, I am not a marathoner marathon running is just not for me. I didn't like it. I was injured, honestly, half of it. The long runs all felt terrible. I never had a good long run, um, but it was because I really weren't, wasn't doing the strategies we talk about in our how to grow as a runner framework. And the second marathon was five years later, 2022 in Hartford, Connecticut, kind of need a little redemption of that course. And you know, it really took that five years hosting, um, at that time, 150 episodes on the Healthy Runner podcast, uh, becoming a run coach myself, becoming certified, learning the principles of training and, and coaching principles and really helping others like crush their marathon dreams as a running physical therapist and coach to really go back for seconds. And I really detailed my marathon journey deeply. Um, on social media last year and the podcast, sharing my wins, 
doing advanced marathon training and crushing the training. Like I really enjoyed the training that I was doing. However, unfortunately, during race week, I really suffered a bout of race anxiety. And that really started like a couple of days leading up to before the race. And it totally hit me by surprise. I didn't even know that that's what it was because I've never experienced that before. I've never, ever experienced any anxiety before any of the half marathon races that I've done. And with all the buildup, um, and I think just talking about it a whole lot, if you asked me if I was nervous last year, I would have said, heck no, I know I've done the training. I'm confident. I know I can, you know, execute the strategy that coach Lou had put forth for me. And Unfortunately, this kind of underlying anxiety really threw my GI system into like a tailwind a couple of days before the race. Um, I thought I was getting um, a GI bug. You know, I thought I was getting sick. I thought I had COVID. Um, so then I started like kind of freaking out a little bit more, right? And your mind starts going places. And my sleep was terrible, terrible for three days before that race last year. I was up like four times a night. Um, I could hardly sleep. Um, yeah, it, it really sucked. And the day before I kind of finally identified that, you know, is this like race anxiety that I'm suffering from? And it really kind of caused like a vice around my stomach. And, you know, I felt like crap the morning of the race. I felt terrible during the race last year. Um, I, was so bloated. My GI system was like all out of whack and I needed to use the porta potty two times. You know, I spent like five minutes, um, in there and I lost a lot of time and I just felt terrible. Meaning, you know, it was just frustrating because I wasn't able to test my fitness that I had completed in training and be proud of like pushing through, um, you know, what you're supposed to feel right. Like in a marathon, but I was super grateful that I was armed with the mental strategies in the mindset bucket to push through the struggle that I was feeling physically and finished running the whole 26.2 miles when I did get out of the uh, porta potty and still miraculously like getting a personal best. So the fact that I still got a personal best with all of that, um, I was pretty excited. And my final time was 4.03.39. So therefore, my primary goal this year leading up to the Cape Cod Marathon was to stay relaxed, double down on my self-care strategies that I've talked about um, in really two previous episodes from now, the Recovery uh, for Runners episode, so episode 196 on the Healthy Runner podcast, and I wanted to get out of the state of Connecticut, Connecticut small, right guys? Most of you who are listening to this are not in Connecticut. Uh, so I, I needed to do like a destination race, if you will, and do a little self-care vacation. Um, so being a big beach guy, Cape Cod, uh, seemed like a great place timing wise in the calendar for the year. This was the best time period for me. Uh, spring is not a good time period with my girls travel volleyball schedule. Every weekend we're like in a different city. Um, doesn't really lend itself well to completing hard long runs. Um, and so I was looking for something early in October, earlier in the race season and calendar, uh, just because of some conferences, workload, things like that are going to be really ramping up for me um, in this next month or two. And 
Cape Cod Marathon, looked it up. I said, hey, the course, pretty flat. Looks great. I love the beach. Why not? So I was like, perfect. We'll get into relax mode. And I did try um, to actually register for wine glass. And I think I probably talked about that on the on the show before. Unfortunately, um, I was, uh, you know, planning on it all. And I really didn't plan on it getting full and uh, with registration. So unfortunately, I was way too late to register for that. And then I had a pivot and uh, look up Cape Cod. And um, I checked into my hotel Thursday evening. So the race is on a Sunday. I spent a great beach day on Friday, actually in shorts and feeling the sun on my skin, which was like fantastic. Cause again, like we're big beach goers. And this year was kind of like a little bit of a surprise, if you will. We spent the last like three weekends of summer and kind of Labor Day weekend, I believe, um, at the beach. And then after that, it got really cold in Connecticut and then it just rained every single weekend um, since that point. So I was really excited to actually feel um, the sun on my skin. And I actually was like just chilling in shorts in my beach chair um, in an October day. I was like, this is pretty amazing. Um, it gave me that like little glimpse of summer again. And even the next day, it was a lot colder. It was like cloudy. And I was in my sweats. There was actually rain that day. And I was in my sweats and it was cloudy, but I was wearing my like, you know, um, carbs give me spark sweatshirt. And I was just listening to the waves crashing, feeling the sand under my toes. Um, the big thing for me is I needed to get into a relaxed state and like get away from the hustle bustle, the work, like making videos like this, making episodes like this here in my home studio craziness with the fam, right? Going to my girls' volleyball games and just kind of the hustle bustle um, that happens. And even, you know, teaching, I was doing that like the day before my race last year. So I was like, okay, Dwayne, like, let's do this the right way. And I really added a second session of guided meditation. I've shared that before on the podcast. I've been doing that every evening before I wind down part of my kind of sleep routine to kind of shut the brain off allow for a little bit more deeper sleeping. And I added a second session, never done that before. So I was kind of proud of myself. Uh, these were like my process goals uh, leading up to the race. And, you know, I need to give a shout out and uh, thank Rebecca Doring, who is on the podcast uh, back in episode 151, because I used a lot of her um, guided meditations and she is just awesome at what she does. And uh, so go ahead and check out that episode if you want to learn more about that. And then I listened to the audiobook um, Endure by Alex Hutchinson. So I highly, highly recommend this. It's been mentioned multiple times on the podcast uh, for those that um, do listen to all of the episodes. Um, the first time it was mentioned was a mental uh, race episode that I did um, with Paul DeVillo. Uh, very, very uh, great episode. I highly recommend you go back, check that one out. I listened to that one before all of my goal races. And then when I did the episode with Chris McClung, uh, where we really talked about mantras and kind of the, the race day strategy and mantras, he had talked about this book um, as well. So I listened to it actually on the car ride up. So that was like great. And then while just like relaxing on the beach um, for a couple of days, 
And then also really enjoyed um, doing more reading than I normally do. Uh, I finished reading Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus. So I highly recommend that book as well. And I need to give a shout out to Steph Flippin, who had recommended that um, book to me. And I really studied the race course map and my race day plan that my coach had set out for me um, one time a day. It was like my homework, essentially. Um, and I followed that up with guided race day visualizations of me executing the plan with the images that I was seeing on the race website and any YouTube videos that I could find on the race day course. So I highly recommend um, you, before your goal race, do some race day visualization. And I really found that super helpful. Um, you can find some like guided race day visualizations out there, but it is essentially putting these images in your mind. You, how are you going to look? What is it going to look like around you when you're running the race? What's it going to smell like, right? Like, you know, so when you go through the race, you've actually done it before, right? And your brain is like, oh, I've been here before. I know what this looks like. <laughs> so here is the course map for the uh Cape Cod Marathon. And this is, I actually got this at the expo and I was like sitting in my hotel room kind of studying it. It's a little tricky. There's like a lot of ins and outs and up and downs. And I didn't want to actually waste a lot of time like running a lot of extra miles. And I was trying to run the tangents as best as possible because uh, I always get frustrated at myself when, you know, you're for some reason, whether it's like the camber or the road and you're like running on the right side and you're like, no, oh, this doesn't feel comfortable. Let me go to like the center of the road or the left side of the road. And then, you know, two minutes later, you're having to make a right turn and you're like, what the heck? I just like ran to the left side just to run to the right side again. You know, it's like frustrating when, when you're doing that during a race. Um, so I really stayed off of social media, like resisting the urge to actually share um, all of the pictures that I've actually been sharing in my um, social media kind of race recap uh, because I, I really didn't want to talk about it a whole lot. I didn't want people to talk about it. I didn't want too many people reaching out to me. Those close to me were kind of shooting me messages. Um, shout out to all my clients who are doing that. I appreciate you guys. And I really didn't want to, again, experience what I felt last year. And, um, you know, so that was kind of purposeful, right? And I ate normal portions of food that I normally eat. You know, this year I would say I definitely did not. Last year I would have said maybe I did some carb loading, um, meaning having more than, you know, probably more food than I would normally eat. This year I really set out a goal to eat like normal foods that I eat, but I just changed the percentages and just added a little bit more carbs um, as well as taking out those high fibery foods such as raw vegetables, fruits, um, out of my diet. I did not do any crazy carbo loading. I went uh, on a shopping spree at the race expo to commemorate. As you can see, I'm wearing a shirt right now. Um, I got this nice little pint glass. I got this race hat, which I actually wore during the race because I was planning on wearing a hat to shade myself from the sun. And this one really looked great. I did my shakeout run in it the day before just to make sure it felt okay in my head. And, but it was very um, breathable. 
So the side, you can see there's like nice holes. So pretty, pretty cool hat. I figured it'd be a nice little memory for me in all of my summer training for next year. And when I put my ice in my hat there to keep me cool um, for my long runs with spice, that will be a nice hat that I have complimentary now with my Spark Healthy Runner hat. Uh, so now I have two hats uh, to get those long runs in. And I got a solid seven to eight hours of sleep for like four straight days leading into the race, which is like definitely a huge win for me. That's more than I usually get. Um, and I didn't have any anxious thoughts or waking up at night. And I prepped out my flat Dwayne race kit the day before I felt comfortable going to bed and I was ready to have like a breakthrough marathon and execute another hard long run that I've done many times in training consistently for the past two years. And it was just another long run and I was like ready to execute the plan. This episode is powered by UCAN, fuel smarter during a run with the best no sugar energy gel on the market, delivering up to 75 minutes plus of steady energy to power your best running performance. If you've been listening to this podcast and you know how important it is to fuel your body for your runs, especially those long runs and races. And one of the biggest questions we get from our athletes is, what should I take with me during a run in order to get that fuel in? And our Healthy Runner coaching team and I have been using UCAN Energy Gels for all of our long runs and races since it launched over a year ago now. We recommend it to all our athletes because it's not made up of sugar, which means it's easy on the stomach, especially for those of you who haven't responded to other gels. The other thing I love about it is the consistency is not thick like its competitors, so it goes down nice and easy, especially when you're running at a hard effort or it's really hot outside. And the other thing is it tastes amazing. So my personal favorite flavor is the strawberry banana um, with pineapple finishing in a close second. However, the most important reason that we recommend it to our athletes, and I use it myself, to power my runs is because it provides that long lasting energy that we need in order to crush that long run or race. So now that you're a part of our healthy runner community, you will get 20% off all your orders using the special link I have in the show notes. Just go to youcan.co, that's .co, not .com, forward slash healthy runner and use the code healthy runner during checkout when placing your order to get your 20% off go ahead and give you can energy gel a try for your next long run trust me you won't regret it so now we're heading into race morning and i was hit with a little unexpected surprise and now let's talk about that. So get up race morning, happy to get like a full like night of sleep. The weather forecast um, for race day was 58 degrees, full sun, 47 degree dew point, which is just phenomenal, by the way. Actually, the day before that they run the half marathon there, it was definitely higher. So I was happy to see like this cold front come through. However, there was a little storm off the coast. There was some tropical storm going up the East Coast, and there were uh, wind of 20 to 30 mile an hour with a 40 mile an hour occasional gust. So I was like, okay, is this going to play a role? So in tracking the weather, like leading up to the race, I was more concerned, honestly, about higher dew point and hard downpours because there was like 
rain, the tropical storm, could it hit the Cape, all of that. Um, yeah, I really hadn't given much thought to the wind. So that was like the unexpected thing I really wasn't expecting. However, I was prepared. I brought like extra clothes and Coach Cat talked about this in our half marathon race prep episode. And I brought, you know, in case it rains, I brought arm sleeves in case it's too cold, too chilly. Um, I brought gloves and, you know, I really... Um, I actually bought a pair of gloves. I wish I grabbed those. They were like a throwaway pair of gloves that said Cape Cod on it. They were like those like bright yellow ones. Um, and it was like five bucks I paid for them. So I'm like, all right, I might as well, if anything, if I need gloves, maybe I'll use these because I can throw them away versus like taking my normal gloves that probably cost me 20 or 30 bucks um, to the race. So I was like, all right, let me just get these gloves just in case. And I was really worried, like, will the impact of the wind like affect performance? And I only ran in one race in windy conditions. And that was the surf town half marathon right on the coast in Rhode Island and Westerly there. And I remember the constant wind coming off of the ocean, making the effort feel a lot harder. It was like a straightaway. It was kind of flat, maybe a slight incline on the road and it was 13 mile an hour winds on that day. And it did affect my performance on that day. And now my weather app was calling for like 20 to 20, you know, 20 to 30 mile an hour gusts, um, 18 mile an hour steady wind. So what did I do? I panicked for like a split second. Um, I Googled running in windy conditions. Um, I might have to do a full episode on this because there's not a lot of great information out there. However, what I did learn, and I'll share it with you, is that you should adjust pace based upon wind with the following scenarios. A five mile, five mile an hour headwind is going to add zero to 15 seconds per mile. 10 mile an hour is going to add 20 to 30 seconds per mile. 15 mile an hour wind is going to add 30 to 45 seconds per mile. And a 20 mile an hour wind is going to add like 50 to 60 seconds per mile. So like if you were planning, like I was at marathon pace at eight minutes, like literally that's going to put my marathon pace to like nine minutes. So I was like, wow. Okay. I didn't kind of adjust my whole pacing plan based upon that, but I, I, let reality set in. And I said, okay, this is definitely going to affect performance. I have to be mindful of that. And I do have to go a little bit more on effort and RPE versus just the number on my watch and pace. And I was, you know, I knew the wind was going to impact performance, but I was like ready to execute the plan my coach had for me. Um, with the only difference being that, I was going to adjust based upon if I had a tailwind or a headwind. And so my paces were going to alter a bit from like the plan that we had kind of uh, written out there. And the fact is that this minor surprise in my plan, because I'm kind of a planner, um, it didn't send me into like a tailspin and it didn't make me anxious uh, before the race, which was honestly a huge testament to the self-care strategies I had outlined um, and executed days leading up to the race. So I did decide to go with the gloves to start. Um, I didn't do the arm sleeves. I was thinking of it and I'm glad I didn't actually. Um, I did arm sleeves last year. 
but that was in the forties. This was already in the low fifties, but I was like with the wind or am I going to be cold? You know, I was just a little worried about that. And my hands definitely get cold. Um, that's like the first thing that ever gets cold, uh, when it starts getting colder out, um, and in the winter. So I was like, you know what, let me just grab the gloves just in case. And yeah, it was a little chilly, you know, when you're out there in like shorts and a tank top, you know, before your race, you're walking over to the start line. And um, I was happy I had my gloves, especially with that wind. And I did wind up wearing the gloves all the way until like mile eight. And then uh, instead of just throwing them away, because I've already had two gels at that point, I was like, I have some room in these pockets where my gels were just stuff these little gloves in there. So now I, I still have them so I can commemorate. I got Cape Cod marathon on my gloves and each time, you know, I take those out and I wear them or I wear them for a future race. Um, you know, that I might throw away, who knows? Um, I still have them. So I'm going to get more than one use out of them. Uh, so my $5 went very far. And, uh, so now the race starts guys. Um, I did not do a warm up, a thorough warm up. I did the old like Kenyan little shuffle, um, maybe for five to ten minutes. I did not do a traditional warm up like I would for a half marathon, and I didn't go through my whole dynamic warm up series that we talk about that is very popular on my YouTube channel. Um, I was going to really use that beginning of the race to warm up essentially, and so now the race starts, ready to go. It was like two different segments that went off. So I wasn't kind of planning on that either. I was kind of in the line for like the second segment, which was totally fine. Um, as I go through, um, the goal for the first three miles was to just warm up for these miles. And my coach set a speed limit for me at 8.15 pace or so. And just to give context, this whole marathon training cycle based upon my half marathon in June, which I've shared on the podcast, kind of that kind of huge PR that I got, um, for, I think it was like my fastest half in seven or eight years. Um, the training paces. So when you put it in the calculators, right, all of the training paces, my recent race result, all of that, we were not picking numbers out because Dwayne wanted to run us up for marathon. Dwayne wanted to run us, a, you know, a three forty-five marathon. It was based upon my current training fitness and that it was seven, 58, eight minute pace. And those have been my marathon pace miles that I've been training with my long runs at spice. Um, the hardest one that I did was like 10 straight miles at marathon pace for my 20 miler, um, which was definitely a hard run. And I was, uh, you know, feeling good about that, but the speed limit was eight fifteen. So we're, we're starting conservative, right? We're like warming up and that was, uh, I, I went out feeling good. Um, it was like right where I should be, um, you know, in terms of planning. And I was really mindfully adjusting my pace on effort as I did have a headwind, um, right on the ocean there at uh, mile two, uh, gorgeous views, by the way. So if you guys like, like scenic marathons, this is definitely the marathon for you. I would say maybe half of it is on the coastline. The neighborhood running, not a big fan of, like with all the turns, and um, it is a smaller marathon, so there's not a lot of crowds at certain points. You know, there's only a few spots where there's like big crowds, you know, that are cheering, so it can get kind of quiet out there. Um, that was definitely negative, um, but the man, the views on the coastline were just amazing, 
And so first mile was 820. So I was like, all right, cool. Mile two, 817. Pretty good. Considering like the headwind that I had at mile two, I was feeling good, felt in control. Mile three, 812. I was like, awesome. I'm like gradually easing into this puppy here. Right. And the goal for mile four to six was to get closer to like an 805 to 810 piece. So to kind of gradually get myself down to my marathon piece and then lock in on it after six miles. And I did run, um, faster during mile five because, um, I was just going on effort and taking advantage that we didn't have any headwind at this part of the course. We were guarded and surrounded by woods because there was like a little kind of, and there was also a little slight downhill elevation loss and mile six was, was the tough one. And this is where I was like totally exposed at the tip of the Island, um, right where the lighthouse is like beautiful, gorgeous, but the wind was just like, like pelting you right in the face. You know, I do remember, and this was one of the tips I also learned about running into wind. If you turn your head to the side, then you don't have to breathe it in, which doesn't allow you to like get oxygen. Um, so I was running literally with my head turned for a good straight, like five to eight minutes. So that wouldn't impact the amount of oxygen that I was able to intake. And I was really trying to be mindful to control my breathing and um, go on effort. And then we also had some elevation there. You know, this race course basically is a net, like no elevation. So it kind of looks very flat, but they're definitely up and down rolling hills. Um, and they're not big hills. Like I run bigger hills here in Connecticut, but you know, they, when you got wind and when you're really trying to be mindful of your effort and not, you know, use too much energy this early in the race, uh, this, the, the elevation mattered and it did make a difference. So mile six, my pace was eight thirty three. So definitely slowed down there, but I was still kind of proud of myself that I was not letting my ego get the best of me and like be dead set at looking at my watch. I was going on effort and trying to conserve as much energy as possible. So the first segment of the race, 6.2 miles was completed in 52, uh, 16 and an 826 pace. And even though it was a bit slower than the plan, I knew it was most important to get in control, get in a good rhythm warm up. And I knew that, you know, this part of the course was a little bit more challenging with the wind and some of the hills. And I knew I had plenty of time to make up for it as it's always far better to play it more conservative in the beginning of a marathon versus more aggressive. Um, so now let's get into the really second part of the race. So kind of the first part of the race as I mentioned, I accomplished my goals of really getting to the start line calm, well-rested, feeling like I do for all of my long runs in training. Next, I was about to really, you know, stay in control, get in a rhythm in that first segment um, of the race to really conserve energy because I knew I'm going to need it for the end of the race. So now we're in the middle miles portion, which sometimes can be the most toughest miles that people struggle with in a marathon because the brain can get a little lazy and, you know, you could veer off of some of your pieces. Um, 
So now let's talk about miles seven to nine. The goal my coach laid out for me was to really ease into marathon race pace, where I'm going to lock in eight minute pace. Mile seven was better than the previous mile. That mile six that I said that was pretty terrible. As I was kind of back on the plan in retrospect, I wish I, you know, in really analyzing uh, my kind of splits, I wish I pushed this mile a bit more, but I think I was trying to really focus on getting into marathon pace rhythm now while keeping the breathing calm and didn't realize I actually wasn't going at marathon pace. So I wish I did check in on my watch a little bit more. I felt like I was going at marathon pace, but I wasn't. And mile seven was an 812. So then mile eight, once I saw that that mile was 812, I really locked in on marathon pace. And um, this had some nice downhill running as well, which really helped the effort. So mile eight, I was able to do a 759 and I still felt totally in control. And miles nine to 13.1, so the halfway mark, um, this section felt right where it should. I was, you know, really feel like it was right where I should. But looking back now, it was probably because this was the only section of the course that had a full tailwind um, during miles 9, 10, and 13. And knowing that would be the only section of the course that actually would have that tailwind, um, I wish I didn't play it as safe. Uh, knowing how hard the headwind that I will describe in miles 20 plus were. So mile nine, 802, mile 10, 801, mile 11, 806, mile 12, 811, mile 13, 801. So the goal was to cross the halfway mark at no faster than 145 because my coach really wanted me to run the second half faster. So I ran through the halfway mark at 148.07. So definitely not at 145. It wasn't faster than 145, right? So I met that goal. I met that process goal. And it was, you know, three minutes slower than anticipated, but I was still feeling like positive. Um, as I knew I was setting myself up for like a strong finish. I'm like, perfect. I didn't run it faster than this. So I got more energy in the tank, right? I want to be able to like slay these miles here. And the goal for miles 13.1 to 20 was to maintain marathon pace and really go at that 7.58, eight minute pace and really stay patient until mile 20. And I felt really good coming through this halfway mark and did the self-assessment. So my coach wanted me to do like self-assessment at this point, which I thought was pretty neat um, tip here. And I'll share it with you because um, really to kind of see, does anything need to change, right? Like check out the mind, like check in on your mindset, you know, does it need a reset? Check in on your fueling. Like, have you been fueling appropriately? Yes, I have. I was following the plan every four miles and I pre-fueled before and I had my great, um, everything I practiced in training on my long runs in my hotel beforehand and checking in hydration. That was spot on. I was doing that every single water stop, um, which was every two-ish miles. And except for the first one, because they only had Gatorade at the first water stop, which I found super weird that they didn't have water there. So I skipped that one because um, I didn't. I, my plan wasn't to have Gatorade because I've never practiced with Gatorade. Um, so I was really 
you know, happy that the check-in at the halfway mark was great. I didn't need to use the bathroom at all. So like I was feeling strong and this part, there was like a little relay section. And of course there was a photographer there. So I had to pull out the old little flex pose. Uh, cause I was feeling good. Like I was feeling strong. Like it, it really wasn't even feeling like I was racing. Um, tell you the truth. And I was like confident. I'm like, okay, Dwayne, this is exactly where you want it to be at the halfway mark. Um, the crowd got a little kick out of it. I think I like gave everyone a fist pump and yelled something. Um, but I was like cruising. It was uh, miles 13 to 15. We're right on the eight minute pace. I was staying patient, not to push too hard with the effort. And I adjusted the effort on mile 16 based on a slow climbing elevation down this one residential block, which to be honest with you was like very boring for me. Cause it was just a straight, like straight away where you saw miles in front of you and it was just this little slow climb. So it was almost like, you know, this, like, you know, someone like poking at you for like minutes and it's just like annoying. Right. And that was really the first time that my legs were really going as fast as I felt the effort was. Um, which is actually the mile that my heart rate got the highest during this race based upon wrist data metrics. I did not use my heart rate strap. Um, so take that for what it is. And after seeing 829 on my watch at mile 16, I was like, Oh, you know what? And so I was like, dude, you got to move. So I picked it back up. I actually saw a former student of mine, uh, shout out to Michaela on the course and we chatted up a bit. But that was like right at the point where I checked in on what my pace was. And I was like, dude, you got to pick it up. What just happened that mile? Um, so now I really started focusing on someone like in front of me and I started going like fishing, right? So kind of using like focus on someone in front of me and try to reel them in. So I was pulling out this mental strategy a little bit earlier than planned. Uh, you know, I didn't plan on doing that until like, in the twenties. And I did get a huge boost of confidence though, when I saw 803, that next mile. And I did actually say out loud, I was like, woo, um, giving a little fist pump to the air out loud. Um, as I was going through like some small little cheer section of, uh, people there. So those that were in that small cheer section, thank you guys. And I was kind of pumped at that point and then hit mile 18. This was like straight up headwind. Um, and it felt really hard again. So it was like this little roller coaster with this race, uh, with the wind, depending upon like which direction you were running in and mile 19 and 20 was this in and out of this little residential area where I can actually point to point it out to you on the map for those watching the video version. It was like, here's that long straightaway, by the way, it was like long, it was literally two and a half miles out. And then we had to come back. And then we go into this little residential block where you make a right, you make a left, you make a left, you make a left, you make a left, you make another right, another right, like a lot of turns here. So that was a little annoying and it was very quiet there. Like I could literally only see, you know, one runner ahead of me. And now it's like mile 19, 20, where I'm like, okay, this is going to be go time soon. Right. And, you know, I was trying to catch that person in front of me and the effort started feeling really hard here. There's literally no one cheering for you at all. No one on the side. I only had like one runner that I could see in front of me. And I was just trying to hang on here without having to go like full dark mode. Um, I was really 
planning on, you know, going into after mile 20. So I really do wish, you know, looking back now that I did push more on those two miles in that little neighborhood as the wind was not bad there because there was houses, there were trees. Um, so we were kind of like protected and just breaking down those kind of middle miles there after that halfway mark, mile 14 was an eight flat, mile 15, 807, mile 16, 829, mile, that was that long kind of climb there. Mile 17, 803. Mile 18, 830. Mile 19, 823. And mile 20, 837. I hope you are enjoying this episode and it is providing value for you. I wanted to take a brief moment to share a story of a real runner like you who is struggling with a common problem that you may be facing. Here is one of our athletes who got the guidance, support, and accountability from our Healthy Runner coaching team to get clarity and structure on the six steps to growing as a runner with personalized strength, nutrition, and run plans. I hope their story inspires you that there is hope to either get over your running injury or to continue getting faster or running longer so you can continue to get in those mental clearing miles and enjoy your running journey again. Here is their inspiring story. Hey everyone, my name is Lisa Maciel. I am from Tewksbury, Massachusetts. I just wanted to come on here and share my experience with the Spark Healthy Runner program. Um, and share a little bit about my journey. So I have been a runner for just over 39 years now. Um, I know it's it's crazy, I, I especially since I'm only 29. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, I'm 53. Um, but I just ran my 27th marathon two weeks ago and was able to be fortunate enough to grab my 18th BQ, uh, Boston Qualifier. But let me tell you, this journey was definitely different than um, prior marathons. It wasn't easy. Um, it took me almost two years to get back to a marathon starting line because of recent injuries. Um, before my last marathon was October of 21 when I ran the Boston Marathon. I sustained some tendon damage in my, in my foot for that. Last summer, I was on a run. I broke my fifth metatarsal in my left foot, so I broke that foot. Um, and I was already qualified to run Boston for this year. Two weeks before that marathon, I unfortunately pulled a hamstring, high hamstring um, strain two weeks before. So I had to shut everything down and made that painful decision to pull out of Boston that weekend before. So that is when I started my journey to search for, for search for Dwayne. So that that latest injury had me doing a Google search on high hamstring strain and somehow landed upon a video that uh, Dwayne had shared with someone with a similar injury. So I immediately reached out and we got to work. I was impressed right out of the gate, I will say, with his knowledge starting a running, um, starting with a running gait analysis as well as a movement assessment. These were two things, simple things, but were never done on me before. Over the years, I've seen PTs over the years that have never um, suggested really looking at things like that in the in the depth that he did. You know, being in Massachusetts, him in Connecticut it really had no impact on the success I had because everything was done you know, virtually. He was able to do all of that virtually. And no one had ever done that before, even the local PTs I worked with. So I will say that was really key to 
finding out what needed to be done. And my body is definitely unique as Dwayne can attest to. I won't get into the details, but I definitely have a very unique uh, body. He identified, you know, problem areas. And in, like I said, we got to work uh, both with the running schedule and strength training. So I can easily say that the Healthy Runner Spark program is not a cookie cutter program like many you see online. Just with running shoes, one pair will not work for everybody. You may be, you know, you may be doing strength specific work, which is great. I, I definitely um, I'm a fan of, of doing that. But you may what you're missing, it could be the runner specific exercises. And that I know is what uh, one of the missing pieces that I wasn't doing. And so I'll be definitely continuing those for years to come. So our goal was to get that hamstring healed healed up so I could get to the starting line by September 10th. That was the last day to qualify for Boston um, for 24 for next year. So I literally picked the last weekend. So it was a little stressful knowing that I, I didn't have much time and that was gonna be the last weekend, I had my last chance really. So over the course of the 16 week program that I signed up with, um, while I had another issue pop up along the way, we adjusted my plan and we continued on that path. So you know with me i know that this particular journey it wasn't going to be chasing that pr it was gonna the number one goal is getting to that starting line healthy which is what he helped me accomplish and then i was able to get that bq and um I know it's something, sometimes you just need to celebrate getting to the starting line and it was a long two years for me, but I, my best advice is, you know, don't give up. Um, you know, there are better things around the corner and, and I know it's cliche, but every setback leads to a comeback, but it is true. Um, sometimes it can be longer than others. So there, there are worse things in life, um, that can happen to you that, you know, and, and not, you know, showing up at a race can be can be one thing but in the grand scheme of things there there's you know more important things in life but running is important to me and it's important to many people so um this was something this program that i was blessed to be a part of i'm glad i stumbled across him on on google and i can't say enough about the spark program uh, Dwayne and his team provide amazing support he made himself available to answer all my questions and any concerns I had, I can't recommend this program enough. So um, good luck to everybody else on their uh, journey of running. I hope sharing that story inspired you and provided you some hope. If you want the one-on-one -on -one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team of experts, check out the behind-the-scenes video tour of our signature coaching program you just heard about, including other stories from runners who are just like you and were struggling with the same sticking points before they signed up for our program. Just head to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com to learn more and book your strategy call with me today. Now let's get back into this episode. Now the race has begun, guys. So this is like the last segment of the race. And yeah, let's 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 see. Was I able to give that kick that I had planned for and that my conservative start um, would hopefully pay off? Um, this is the part of the race where the real racing begins. And I knew I've done all of the work. And the goal was to focus on picking people off um, as I passed mile 20. So I'm going fishing, right? I'm like that magnet. It's, it's tracking that person in front of me. I'm going to try to close the gap, right? So you're not catching people, then you're slowing down at the end of your race. 
So mile 21 out of the little neighborhood, finally, I was now running on a straightaway with a little net downhill. So I felt pumped to like pick up the pace a bit after having my six gel, had it a little earlier than planned because I really felt like I needed that spark. Those two miles, like I said, mentally, like no one around, it wasn't hitting the numbers on the watch that I had hoped for at that point. I, I felt like my energy was just draining a little bit. Um, I need a little extra spark. So luckily I planned, my coach had planned for me to have six gels. I actually um, packed an extra just in case one fell, right? Or you need an extra. So I had that extra gel in my back pocket and I was uh, pumped to you know, have a, a gel at this point to give me that little extra spark. And I had my, my, you can gel at that point. And, um, that mile was at eight Oh one. So mile 22, this by far was the worst mile of the day. Um, the whole mile literally was right along the ocean. It was now we're running back. And unfortunately the way that this course map works, we wound up running more in the direction of this way than we did that way. And which means I ran into more headwind than I did tailwind. Um, but this was right along the coast. Gorgeous views, by the way, um, of the ocean, the houses, people like outside just sitting on their steps, kind of clapping for you. Um, but I was just fully exposed and it was like 20 mile an hour, constant headwind this whole mile and no one to drag behind it all. So I did also in my research of running in windy conditions, if you can find someone bigger than you and actually run behind them, then that can block some of the wind. Uh, or if you think of like Kipchoge's when he was doing the sub two thing, right? You had all the guys in front of him in like triangle offense. Um, there was no one near me that I can even try. And yeah, I was literally exposed. Um, so it really felt hard here. And not only because now we're in the hardest part of a marathon. And for those who haven't run a marathon yet, or, um, you know, you've run a couple, um, you know, this is like, this is where the going gets tough, right? This is the separation essentially of what a marathon feels like from what a half marathon feels like. And, um, it was like, literally I was running in place. That's what it felt like with the wind. And from this point forward, I really followed my coach's advice to run with heart and not check in on the watch anymore. So I knew I ran the first half pretty much where I wanted it to be. And I knew I would have extra energy at the end here. And I was really trying to kick it into that next notch, but really couldn't, <laughs> um, with the wind, unfortunately. So it was definitely a little bit frustrating. And that mile, mile 22, I'll never forget you, mile 22, was a 9.06. So mile 23 was a little annoying kind of square route into a residential neighborhood, uh, which was a bunch of turns, but luckily protected from the harsh wind. So the wind was not as bad as when I was on the coast um, for the most part, but the effort still felt hard here with a little bit of elevation. Um, at this point I took my seventh gel, um, at the end of this mile and that mile was an 853. So a little bit faster, but nowhere near my goal marathon pace. So mile 24 back into the full blown headwind exposed on the ocean front, but I was really determined here. I really started going dark mode, pulling out the fight mantras and the one that I wasn't planning on using 
um, was one my coach um, wrote in my race day plan as a process goal. And that was to finish without any regrets. And as I mentioned earlier, I had regrets after the first marathon because I didn't know anything about sodium supplementation. I cramped up. The training wasn't good. I had regrets after last year, um, just experiencing all the GI distress and that I felt because I knew it didn't really um, reflect my training. So for some reason, I wasn't planning on this whatsoever, did not practice this mantra, practice many others. That day on that course in that wind, that's what resonated with me. And I kept using uh, the mantra, no regrets, no regrets with each step that I took. And from that point forward, that was like my mantra. That was my fight mantra to get me to that finish line. And that um, mile was an 851, mile 25. We're getting down to the end here, guys. Uh, sorry, this is long, um, but I've done a lot of reflecting. This is actually 10 days after my race. Um, and I've really taken the time to reflect. And I highly, highly recommend this to all of you, um, especially for something that's a big race goal of yours, something that you've been working you know, for a long time. Like this is literally has been two consistent years of training, knowing my goal was the marathon. So when I say that, I'm not just talking about the 16, 20 week marathon training block. I'm talking about the base training that I've been doubling down on in the winter months, right? The strength training, the actual, you know, training for a half marathon in the spring, that whole training cycle. So it's, it's a year long process. And when I got to mile 25, I actually couldn't believe that that point of the race came up so quickly. It like snuck up on me, tell you the truth. And it felt like the marathon itself, the race flew for me, like time-wise. It went a lot quicker than the previous two by far, probably because I was actually feeling like myself, right? Um, and it's just a weird feeling though. And those of you who have run many marathons and raced many marathons, um, you probably, I'm wondering if you feel this way and those who are watching the video version of this on YouTube, I would love to hear your comments, honestly, in the comment box below. Um, for me, the only way I could describe this for those, um, who are about to like embark on a marathon, maybe for the first time, or really like race a marathon hard for the first time and not just, you know, finish. Um, it was like a weird feeling because I felt like my breathing, um, was in control. It wasn't super heavy like it is in the last three miles of a half marathon. For me, the last three miles of a half marathon, yes, it's go time, dark mode. We're getting to the, but I'm like huffing and puffing literally the whole time. I'm like the guy who's loud on the course. You know, you're running, you know, catching someone and you're running past them. And I like kind of startle them because I'm breathing so heavy as I pass them. Um, like, it just completely sucks. Honestly, the last three miles of a half marathon, um, it just like gives you that whole sense of hard feeling in your body. Um, but this was like a different weird feeling. And the only way I could describe it, um, is that it was like trying to push my body to run faster. And I felt like my lungs could definitely breathe fine. And my legs were fatigued but they weren't like cramping. They weren't painful. It was just like my legs just didn't turn over any quicker. <laughs> like 
it was, it was kind of like a, a surreal feeling. Um, it was like my mind wanted to run faster and I knew this was go time, but my body was like, just the only way I could describe it is like generally fatigued. I don't know if you felt like that or if you feel like that on all your marathon, let me know if that's normal. I'm not sure. This is the first one that I've ever really truly raced, right? Because of the first one was a cramp fast. And the second one was a GI distress, um, scenario. So here I knew this is, this is like closing time, Dwayne, like pull out Mariano Rivera here, right? Pull out the closer. And I really, you know, pushed harder, pulling out my fight mantras, started honestly breathing loud, not because I needed to on effort, because I was trying to like will my body forward to like run faster, um, and really fight to have like a strong finish and not worrying about my pace. Didn't check in on my watch whatsoever. I was like, Dwayne, you know, you can do anything for like 16 minutes, right? Um, you know, let's push your body to its limits. I got in tunnel vision mode here where I didn't respond to anyone cheering at all. Um, you know, throughout the whole race, even in those middle miles, like I'm people are cheering, I'm, you know, thanking them. I'm like smiling, right? Cause that makes things feel easier for us when we smile. And there has been research that has been shown, uh, that that is true, by the way, uh, read that book that I mentioned earlier. Um, and I was really happy to see that, you know, I was able to run this mile, mile 25, faster than the previous three miles as it was like really starting to feel like a 10 out of 10 effort at this point. And I ran that mile in 837. Now it's real closing time. So miles 26 plus, which wound up being basically um, 0.5 for me. And I looked at my watch and I saw my total time. And right at that 20, you know, five mile mark, essentially, I was like, all right, we got like a mile, mile and a half left. And I knew I was going to be close to the 340 cutoff. So I probably looked at my watch around, I would imagine it said like 330, something like that. So it was around like the 340 cutoff. I'm like trying to calculate. I know I got more than a mile to do if I were to run this in eight minutes, right? So really wasn't able to do any math at that point, but I knew I was going to be like close. So it was like striking distance. I feel like when I looked at my watch, maybe it said like 328 and I gave it all I got. I was like totally running with heart here. I pushed 10 out of 10 effort, this whole mile and a half. I didn't want to have any regrets. So would I have loved to see my marathon pace when I retrospectively look back and see an eight minute pace? Heck yeah. Like I'd be like, slate it, right? Finished totally strong, hitting my marathon goal pace. Um, but I am super happy and proud that, you know, mile 26 was faster than miles 22 to 24. And yes, I am aware that the brain saw the finish line. It knew it was about to end. And um, he talks about this, Alex Hutchinson, in his book, Endure, um, that you know, the brain at that point does see that finish line and it is able to take the body to kind of continue the effort and endure it because it know there is an end, there is an end point. And I had one goal and one purpose at this point. Um, 
And that was to cross that finish line. So I just pushed down that. It was kind of like a straightaway, probably for like three quarters of a mile back into the center of town in Falmouth there. Um, cute little town, by the way. Love the little shops. Um, it was a very nice little destination race to visit. And crossed the finish line at 340.38. So I'm not going to lie. Was I a bit disappointed when I actually got to the finish line and I saw that 40 seconds or that 38 seconds? Um, yeah, that like creeped into my head. And I was like, because it was literally right, like a mile and a half where I was going 10 out of 10 effort because I knew I was going to be close to 340. So the fact that I didn't get that there, just sub 340, you know, the brain goes places, the primitive mind, uh, how it works. But it lasted about 30 seconds. And I know truly in my heart, like I was able to turn it on at the end. Um, there wasn't anyone there who knew me to, that, that I was turning it on um, and there to cheer me on or even photos of me turning it on at that point. Um, but I knew like I had a strong finish. And after some really tough miles in miles 22 to 24 into that crazy headwind, um, I was really happy to run an 848 and then an 812 um, for that last half mile. Um, so when you look at the splits to kind of finish there, mile 21, 801, mile 22, 906, mile 23, 853, mile 24, 851, those three miles were tough into that headwind. Um, mile 25, able to turn it on a little bit, 837, mile 26, 847, and mile 26.5. Um, eight twelve. So now recapping it all, those were a lot of details. I know. And thank you for honestly hanging in there. If you're, if you're still listening at this point and I have not bored you, um, I'm just hoping that me sharing my personal running journey is like helpful for you, helpful for you to think about your next race, helpful for you to re reflect on your races and looking at success. And I've definitely been doing a lot more of this in the past year, especially with, like I mentioned, you know, struggling with that race anxiety last year is focusing on the mind and the mindset and um, really focusing more on the process goals as opposed to the outcome goals. So I'm not going to lie. When I saw <laughs> um, on my last coaching call with my coach, um, I saw the um, she did a fantastic job at having some really great process goals which I literally nailed all of those. Um, the outcome goals that she had set, um, I was like, based upon my fitness and the training I completed, I knew that's what she was kind of putting in there, ranged from a 3.30 to a 3.36 time. And I'm not going to lie, like I got off that call and I was like, she is way optimistic. Um, but now in retrospect, and actually at that point, I was like, laughed kind of deal. And I wrote down Dwayne's outcome goals, which was sub 340 would be absolutely amazing. That would be like my A goal. My B goal would be a 340 or 350. And then a C goal was like sub four hours. Like I've never done that before. Right. That's like my C goal. And, um, I was, you know, th that's kind of what I wrote down. And now experiencing my first marathon race in which I actually raced the whole thing 
executing a smart strategy with pacing, varying effort based on elevation and wind, and maintaining a positive mindset throughout and running with heart, like I'm confident that her goals were actually reasonable and attainable. Um, the reality of the situation for me on this race day, the headwind, especially at miles 18 and miles 22 to 24, played a significant factor in the time outcome goal. And I am grateful that I met my B goal, right? Just missed the A goal. Um, and I shaved 23 minutes off of my PR. Um, but most importantly, I am proud of myself for meeting all of the process goals, especially believing in myself and, you know, not having negative thoughts during the race and finishing strong and finishing without regrets. So, you know, I implore all of you to do the same for your next race, make some good process goals, focus on those process goals and read those process goals. When you reflect on your race, don't just reflect on the time on the clock, reflect on the process goals, reflect on the process of training, right? Did you double down and actually do strength training for running for the first time in your life? Did you dedicate two days a week and you, you stayed consistent with that? Did you actually double down on keeping your easy runs actually easy and you're proud of yourself for that? Did you execute a smart race strategy and you're proud of yourself for that, right? Like there are so many different process goals that you can set for yourself and that you can be damn proud of. Um, just because I see way too many people um, feel, you know, negative, ashamed. They get negative thoughts and feelings associated with only the time outcome goal. So I would highly, highly recommend that to all of you. Um, in reflection, we can always do things better. We can always think of things that we want to actually replicate next time. So for my list for this race, the things that I can improve upon during my next marathon are staying mentally focused and not drifting off my pace in certain miles like I did in this race in mile 16 and miles 19 and 20. So those are the ones that I go back and I look at the course and I look at the direction that I was running. I look at my elevations and I didn't hit my pace goals those miles. And it was because I got a little mentally lazy. That long climb on that residential block bored me. That in and out, keep turning around this residential area, no one even cheering. I can only see one person in front of me. That kind of bored me, but it, it really affected my pace. So I need to actually lock in a little bit better mentally and identify those situations that that may occur in the next race. Honestly, that's really the only thing that I can think about changing, which is pretty remarkable. Honestly, I feel like that's a, a big, huge win. Um, and the things that I did really well, and I really want to replicate next marathon, like I write these down. I highly recommend you guys. I journaled all of this, um, after my marathon, I just let it sink in. Um, I spent a lot of time on this and I think it's important. And for me, it was important this time. I went back to my journal from last year and I read what I wrote days leading up to the marathon. I read what I wrote after the marathon. And that's how we all learn and grow guys. We're um, lifelong learner. Uh, I want to be a lifelong runner. And that's what I highly recommend for you as well. Um, so we can keep running for longevity and the things I did really well, I'll share those with you that I want to replicate next marathon was the pre-race prep, getting good sleep, 
getting relaxed, keeping my workload stress to a minimum. I really prioritized my race prep and feeling confident heading to the start line. Was there more work I could have done? Was there more projects? Do I have like post-its all over my desk of things I need to do? Would I have liked to, I just like published uh, two videos on my YouTube channel today that were literally sitting in draft mode for like five months, um, right? There were so many things I could have been doing, but I prioritized that this was the one race in my whole calendar year that I'm running a marathon. So why not do it right? And again, I highly recommend that for you guys and make sure you time your marathon race when your life can allow for the adaptations that you're going to need to make in your life and dedicate to yourself. And it's not selfish, guys. It's not. Um, so two, my fueling, hydration, and electrolyte strategy was like money. I stopped every water stop, as I mentioned. Um, I either had a gel or my base electrolyte salt. I mentioned that many times on the podcast. That's how I got my electrolytes because I didn't want to have Gatorade. I never practiced with Gatorade. You know, the electrolyte solution I use, you can, or I've used LMNT, um, especially for those really hot uh, summer runs that I mentioned that I went down the East Coast. Um, that's how I supplement um, with. I preloaded days before LMNT, the morning of, and then I use my base electrolyte saw on the course. Um, that was like spot on. Having seven gels was spot on. Like, People, I've seen some like marathon picks, two gels, three gels. I don't understand how, how that's in, <laughs> Brooke would agree with me. Um, we've had many episodes on proper fueling and nutrition for the marathon. Um, my stomach felt great. I did not feel bloated once. I didn't like feel full at all. I didn't have any GI issues whatsoever. So this, like the fact that my stomach felt great and I felt a nauseous feeling once um, it lasted for about a mile and it was like around mile 14 or 15 and then it went away quickly. So I don't know what that was about. Um, I was very happy that it never came back after that, but you know, I, I think about that fueling hydration. You, a lot of you listening to this right now might say that is crazy. He did that much. I could never do that. I would just feel full. I would feel like I'm heavy. I would feel like I gained weight and I'm not light enough to run the race. Like you just have to train your GI system to tolerate that. So you have to practice in training. And that's what I did. All my long runs with Spice Guys, I was actually having a gel every three miles. Even though I knew for the race, I was going to go every four miles because I wanted to take it more frequently. And when I was running those marathon pace miles, when I'm running fast, see how my GI system tolerated running fast, hard effort, higher heart rate, and now needing to digest my intake. So highly recommend you guys do that. That really helped me, honestly. And I, I do have a sensitive GI system, um, you know, historically. What I found, and it's crazy because Brooke preaches us every episode we have on the podcast, is the more I fuel, the less GI discomfort I have. Um, so I can't recommend it enough. Um, you got to fuel properly. Carbs give us spark. Um, Nerves, anxiety, this piece, you know, I really nailed it, this race. And I didn't have any feelings, as I mentioned, the days before or race morning. I doubled down on my self-care strategies, meditation, visualization, journaling, reading, and staying off social media. 
So it is, you know, one of those things that, you know, you can just get the mind racing too much, getting too much in thoughts and you see everyone else posting and it was the same day as the Chicago marathon, right? So everyone's posting, right? Like leading up to Chicago and I wish I had the weather that Chicago had, which is the perfect world record is obviously broken. Um, you know, those conditions were perfect. Um, unfortunately I did not have, uh, that. And usually Chicago is the windy city, right? It was like the windy Cape, uh, that I was at and, it really helped being away from the hustle and the bustle of, you know, home life, parent life, work life. So if you can, I highly recommend it. I think you owe it to yourself. For me, I was like, my wife went away with the girls um, in the summer when I was teaching like an intensive semester, six week semester, and I couldn't go with them to Disney. They took a vacation, just the three of them. For me, this was my vacation, right? So this was my goal. Um, I really wanted to kind of put out a good effort and have an experience that I ran a marathon and actually felt like myself in my own body and can actually put forth what I've been practicing. And um, no race is going to have perfect conditions. And I felt like this one, um, you know, by far wasn't perfect. And I'm not making excuses by any means, but I feel like I did step up to the challenge on this weird kind of windy day. And I felt like I left no regrets on the course. And I'm grateful for this opportunity and feeling healthy before, during, and after this race. This is by far the healthiest I've ever, ever felt. Like not even a twinge of plantar fasciitis, like after a long run, you know, the 18, 20 miler, I ran a 19 miler. Like I did a lot of long runs with spice in hot, hot weather this summer and never had any twinges. And it really is a testament, honestly, to the base training I did in the winter. And I outlined that we had a whole base training update episode in probably May of this year. I don't know the episode number, but if you want to learn more about that, check that episode out. Um, I lifted the heaviest I've ever lifted in the off season. Um, and it really helped build that like strong running body. So I could tolerate the demands that this hard marathon training, um, that I did. And, you know, as a result of this experience, guys, after 12 years into my adult onset running journey in my third marathon, I can finally call myself a marathoner. And I need to give a shout out and thank my coach, amazing coach, Steph, uh, for allowing me to have like gratitude for each step, running with joy in my heart and allowing me to finish feeling strong. And her coaching expertise and guidance has been like invaluable in allowing me to believe in myself relentlessly. And I appreciate her. And thank you to Coach Lou um, on our team for equipping me with the tools to tackle marathon training in 2022 and improve my running fitness with two plus years of structured and progressive training, uh, which served as the foundation for this latest marathon training cycle to really flourish. So I appreciate coach Lou and all he has done for me on my running journey. And I need to give a shout out to Brooke um, for teaching me to fuel early and often and that carbs do give me spark. And I appreciate all that she has done to kind of teach me in that, uh, respect and got to give a shout out to my wife, you know, for always the love and the support, obviously, uh, during all the training and allowing me to kind of take this little self-care long weekend getaway. And, you know, I also need to give a shout out to like my spark healthy runner team, because if it weren't for coach Whitney, Kat, 
Latoya, Lou, and Allie, our podcast editor, video editor, um, for providing like the support that they provide to help decrease my workload stress and being so amazing at what they do for a running community. Um, you know, that, that plays a role into everything that happened here on this one race day um, that I really uh, detailed for you. And if you want like personalization for your marathon breakthrough or like strength training for running into and how to integrate it into your busy schedule and you want clarity, focus, accountability, and support, that's exactly what we do in our Spark Healthy Runner coaching program. And we really guide you back on the road, doing what you love without having any setbacks. So let us take like the guesswork away, support you along in your process, getting back on the road. Uh, we act as your guide in mastering the six key steps in your running journey, mindset, strength training, structured run plan, nutrition, recovery, and race strategy. And when you get the structure to execute those six key steps to your running journey, you'll not only feel more confident in getting stronger and faster, you'll stay healthy and enjoy the process of running again and crush some races along the way. Uh, just like I've enjoyed this whole process and how I was able to crush my race. Like those are all the principles that we teach and guide you and structure it out for you. Um, in the context of, you know, my personal running journey, this was a major step forward and one uh, that was quite enjoyable. And as I continue to learn and grow and challenge the mind and body, um, in the words of the great Bill Rogers, aiming for the marathon is a task of sorts, which can include terrific highs and lows. For me, I'm grateful to have more highs than lows during this training cycle and my third marathon experience. Stay tuned for continued marathon growth in 2024 as it starts off with a fun run um, in Disney for the Run Disney Dopey Challenge with my family in January. And then there'll definitely be a goal race in fall of 2024 and put in for the lottery in Chicago. We'll see if I get it this year. But until then, guys, let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. If you found this content valuable, here's five ways we can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of our six steps to growing as a runner framework at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash grow. Two, follow our Instagram page at Spark Healthy Runner. Three, join our free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Spark Healthy Runner. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more experts in the running field and bring those lessons and trainings back here right to you. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner so you can maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Lastly, if you've been struggling with the constant injury cycle, not eating the right foods for running, or not getting faster as a runner, and you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner, head to sparkhealthyrunner.com 
forward slash coaching to apply for a one-on-one signature coaching program. Thank you again. I really, truly mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening and sharing this podcast with a running friend who can use the help. Now go and crush your run today. See you next week.